You're listening to the Britpop Show. Sponsored by Creation Day Festival. Playing the best and the rest of Britpop. It is the Britpop Show. You're welcome. 90s nostalgia from, from yesteryear. And this week, it's a massive week because we have none other than the Paul Draper in interview. And during the interview, I asked him what his favourite Manson track was. Guess what it was? It was this one.
The Chad Who Loved Me by Manson. And if you think that the revelation that that was Paul Draper's favourite song is, is a big revelation, wait till you hear what he says in this interview. Now, this is a two-part interview. I'm very excited about it. This week, we're going to be talking mainly about the album Six, 25-year anniversary coming up, and, of course, the tour that Paul is doing with a full backing band that you guys need to get your tickets for. It's a brilliant Christmas present. So we'll be talking about that. And then at part two, which I think will come out on Boxing Day, which is a perfect way to, to deal with Boxing Day, is the second part of the interview, talking about all things Manson, including the big reason why they broke up. But let's get straight into this interview with the one and only Paul Draper. Paul, welcome to the Ripop Show. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good. Very pleased to have you on the show. Let me tell you why. At the start of this year, I wrote down three names that I wanted to interview this year, and you were one of them. Who were the other two? I'm not telling you. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one. One was I, I was I was going elusive. So these are the people who don't often give interviews, and you were one of them. Uh, Crispin Hunt is another one from the Long Pigs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he stays he stays off the radar. Uh, and then I went big. I thought Jarvis Cocker. Not going to happen. You got me anyway. It's like an early Christmas present. You're listening to The Britpop Show, sponsored by Creation Day Festival, playing the best and the rest of Britpop. But is it right that the cast's manager or A&R man or the record label were, they went to see cast at the, rec at the recording studio and they heard you guys in the next room? No, no, that's not true. We, we were managed by the same band as cast, and that's why the, that, uh, the other guys in Manson wanted to sort of be cast copyists, really. And, you know, cast were cast. They were a great band. We toured with them. But, you know, there's only one cast. What happened was we went over to a... Um, we used to rehearse in a little uh, warehouse. Well, it was a very dank warehouse in Liverpool called... Uh, crash studios and some, someone had come to see someone else i think they might have been coming to see cast or space or one of the big bands and someone walked past and listened to us doing our songs but it, the guy who did it was alan wills and alan wills went on to set up uh, delta sonic records which was the coral and you know the zootons i think and and uh but unfortunately he died he was knocked over in a cycle accident in Liverpool, in Liverpool which was very sad but um but yeah he but yeah we were just sort of discovered in a a dank warehouse in Liverpool playing through the early Manson songs really you know and um we didn't realize it at the time now we look back and we think oh it was the birth of Britpop but we, we I love the Beatles you see so I just wrote songs with chords and stuff and and we we didn't have a drummer at the time so we had drum loops so that's how that early Manson sound came about it was just through necessity and um you know we would we just we were just there you know it was a, a massive movement of music that happened and we you know we just happened to be there you had an original drummer and then changed him to Andy well we had a few drummers our first drummer Lance he died of a heroin overdose but uh then um Hib came in who was my schoolmate but he very much sided with chad who wanted to get this other band together with john t and he he'd sort of convinced hip that i was an idiot but he'd gone to the record company and told them that hip wanted to sack me because i was an idiot but he'd also told them that 
um once they'd sack me they'd sack Hibbert because Hibbert was a bigger idiot than I was and then it all turned nasty and it ended up in a massive pineapple fight where um Hibbert smashed Chad's head in with a pineapple I mean he deserved it really and then so so one of them had to go and it was Hib really it's from the 1990s You gotta let it out If you wanna let it in You gotta let a little bit of love in And make it all begin You gotta look by time Pick the right time and make a change Cause it's just by time To pick the right time and make a change So when you're gonna learn That it takes all sorts Don't you think I'd like to be a little dry If we had the same thoughts Cause you're taking all the good But you're leaving with the bad And if you don't make a change pretty soon There won't be nothing coming back You gotta look by time The right time to make a change Cause it's just by time The right time to make a change I do believe you read the first I do believe you wrote the word Embryonic Manson started when we were 11 with, with Hib on the drums, but uh, it's a shame he, he missed out because, I mean, he, you know, he was he was good enough to have cut it, but he just backed the wrong horse, really. You know, he, 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 he I, I don't think they thought the band had any longevity in it. So they were try, always trying to change lineups and get rid of it and get different people in and try something new, but... Um, if they knew what they knew now, I don't think um, 
they would have they would have done it to be well, well that's what Hib Hibbert's told me anyway put the pineapple down that's the that's the best advice Could have oh been. yeah yeah never get into a pineapple fight in a hotel <laughs> you're listening to the Britpop show sponsored by creation day festival playing the best and the rest of Britpop. i have to ask this question tell me about attack of the gray lantern what's it about well, Attack of the Grey Lantern was just my experience of growing up in a small town in the north of England. And, and um, I used to give people I knew little stupid names like Flowerellas and Egg-Shaped Freds and Dark Mavises and stuff like that. And it, the theme of the album is the dark sexual undercurrents that exist in normal civilized working class northern towns and uh the gray lantern comes in and tries to clean the whole thing up and fails miserably and then ends up in an affair with the vicar's daughter or something i can't remember the exact story of it someone approached me once and wanted to do a play about it in the west end not a big theater you know but just a little studio theater and stuff like that so that might be something that will happen one day and who's dark mavis oh dark mavis was uh, uh the guy whose whose rehearsal room it was in uh liverpool a guy called mark davis so we called him Dark Mavis for uh, letting us rehearse in his warehouse. Yeah, I've been working on songs for years for a sort of a follow-up to Attack of the Grey Lantern, like a sort of a Return of the Grey Lantern album. But I just, I just can't make my mind up with if, if the characters, if I'm beyond that now, or whether I could revisit it and give it any credibility. But you know, that's a project I'm always tickling away at. You know, doing songs about characters and. Um, so maybe that will show its ugly face at some point. That would be amazing. Return of the Grey Lantern. Heard it here first. The Grey Lantern, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what it would be called. Another exclusive for the Britpop show, Return of the Grey Lantern. Imagine if you did that. That would be so good. Right, we're going to interrupt this man-son loving because we have to play some 25-year anniversaries. This is, of course, the Britpop show, and we can't just play Manson the whole time, even though you probably want us to. So 25 years since this was released by the Seahorses, You Can Talk To Me, and this could have been the first single from their second album, but that album ne never came to fruition, officially anyway, and this is their final release.
Talk to me by the seahorses, which works because this week we are talking to Paul Draper of Manson. Now, who wants to hear a bit more about Paul Draper talking about their epic second album, Six? Me, I do. Let's hear it. So we move on to the second album, Six, which incidentally, Six was the first album I ever bought on vinyl. Oh, was it? Yeah, because it's one of those albums you have to listen to from start to finish. You can't just jump in yeah. yeah yeah i think we've done the first album it was poppy and it it, it um we put the wrong singles out and it didn't happy happen so i just thought i'm gonna make an experimental album so i made a fully experimental record and that was six you know and i always say it ruined my career that album but having said that now you know going back out and touring it and people still buying it and I think it was in the top 100 progressive rock albums of all time, although we didn't know we were doing progressive music at the time. You know, we were, I mean, I just thought we were doing some moving Britpop along a little bit. I mean, that time, the start of 97, you know, you had Manson Placebo and then OK Computer come out and Urban Hymns. And so that was the end of Britpop and everything became a little bit more uh, stylistic, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I still remember, and there's not not many albums I can say this about. I still remember where I first listened 
to six. I was looking for a flat in Guildford and I knew it was coming out. So I, I went to HMV, bought it and was listening to it in a park, waiting to go and see some flats on a Walkman on a, you know, one of those Discman things. And I remember at the time, and I still say this, it's, it feels to me a little bit like that the entire radio is playing Manson. And what you're doing is you're listening to a Manson song and then it, you turn the dial and it skips to another Manson song. And then you turn the dial and it skips to another. And it's just like Manson radio, but someone keeps, keeps flicking the dial. What, what did you think when you first heard it? When I first heard it, I thought, what the hell is this? Yeah, that's what everyone thinks. Yeah. And then when I, uh, when I got into it, I thought the, the next phase of thought was there's about 50 great songs on here. Yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of small ideas that I put together. I, mean, I think the, the idea came from when we did the first album, Attack of the Grey Lantern, we did uh, the Chad Who Loved Me, where we did the strings into the band. And I remember Radiohead were in the next studio to us and they come in and they said, how did you do that? And we told them how we put it together. And they put that Paranoid Android song together similarly from a few little ideas they had. And um, so I wanted to take that further, really. I mean, sometimes I wish I hadn't. I think sometimes I think I wish I'd have made another pop record. Um, but I don't know. I'll have to see after when I come back from the tour, the sixth tour, I'll, I'll know how I feel about it because it, it's it's been something that I've not been sure about for many years but I've just been listening to it, you know, recently learning all the parts. All the band are in pre-production now, learning all their parts for it because it's so complex to do, but but we'll we'll get it. Well, uh, I'm coming along because I don't think you will. It's such a difficult album. I'm coming along to see whether you do get it. Well, we've, we've been in rehearsals for the past month. When I say rehearsals, we're not in a rehearsal room. That will come in the new year. Um, but Ben's got all his guitar effects and working through the parts. I'm working my parts out. Um, we got P Dub, my musical director. Well, my my engineer, he's coming out as musical director, going to play keyboards, and um, he's got like a, a group, a massive thing of sample bank of sample pads, where he's going to do all the muttly noises and and all like that. But I think a couple of years ago we went out and played a gig in Hebden Bridge and a, and a festival where I played the four singles from six. So I know we can do it. And then back in the Manson days, we did like special blown it and television and uh, being a girl part two. So I've seen you play shotgun live. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've done shotgun live. Yeah. You know, they're all eminently possible and um, we're going to get it as accurate as possible. And is Tom Baker coming along? He's not, but we've got a special Tom Baker hologram. thing. No, it's not. No, we haven't got the we haven't got the uh, budget for a hologram, but we're we're doing something special with the Tom Baker bit. All right, I can't so, wait. So how how did you get Tom Baker in the first place? We, um, I think Chad was just trying to take the Mickey out of me, but he tried. We tried to put together an, a, a a break in the because it was so complex. The album we wanted a break in the album as if it was two sides of a vinyl th- record, you know. So we wanted someone to narrate. Chad was into Brian Jones at the time, so it was it, the song's all about Brian Jones dying in a swimming pool or something, or, or it might have even been about me, I don't know. But um, we thought, you know, who's got the best voice? And at the time, Tom Baker was doing a lot of voiceovers on adverts and stuff, and I was a big Doctor Who fan, so we contacted his agent, and, and, he, and he said, yeah, 
he'd do it. So he came up to the studio in London and and, and we did it and, and it and he was great. We went for a pint with him afterwards and uh, he walked up to the bar and the barman and said, What are you having, Doctor? <laughs> it's just, just that everybody knew him, you know, the whole the whole world know the whole of it Britain knows Tom Baker, you know. So who was it who approached Tchaikovsky's agent? Well, we didn't even, that's out of, um, it's out of copyright, so. But, but why that? Why, how did that get onto the album? Uh, I think the Verve were in the next room and they were using a sample, a Rolling Stones sample off uh, some orchestral record that Andrew... So they got in trouble for that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they got in trouble for it. So we thought, why don't we do one, but we'll do one where we don't get in trouble for it. Because uh, it's out of copyright, you only get seventy-five years copyright on on uh, on stuff. So, so we ended up putting that in. I mean, it, it was very tongue-in-cheek. I mean, the whole of six to me is very tongue-in-cheek, you know. And Attack of the Grey Lantern. And you say it nearly ruined your career. Why is that? Because you used all your ideas up, or no, no, it was just that you know, Attack of the Grey Lantern was such a big pop record, you know. Well, when I say pop record, you know, we were a rock band, you know, but. In the pop charts, you know, it, it was huge. Whereas six sort of spread us out. It wasn't as big a hit in the UK, but we got we picked up a lot of fans around the world, a lot of prog fans, a lot of fans who weren't particularly into pop music, and it worked really well. Yeah, and why was it? Because it's different in the USA, isn't it? It's there's no, no oh, Yeah, the first two albums they just did all different running orders, and I'm still pissed off about that to this day. But yeah. Don't listen to any American versions of the albums. The the, the the rest of the world versions, they're the albums to listen to, you know. Right. But I guess in the future, those American versions will become rarities, you know, as they do, you know. Yeah, oh, I think the Japanese ones are the rare ones at the moment. And we get a lot of listeners in Japan and we get a lot of listeners in America. So anybody listening in America, come come to England and get, get, get the proper version. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a there's a big Manson collectors community, and they've got a group on Facebook. So if you do have rarities or you're looking to collect rarities, if you just go on Facebook and look for the Manson collectors group and join up, you know, there's there's so much stuff. Like, I don't know how the hell they get it: guitars and clothes and records and Taiwanese versions and you know um, all sorts of Mexican versions of being a girl all sorts of stuff you know. and and what we did in the day every night when we finished work we would run off cassettes of where we were at and then we'd get the, the people in the offices to send them out to fans who wrote us letters so there's there's loads and loads of uh, you know half finished and unfinished um, versions of songs and alternative versions of songs that are knocking out around there and you you can find out all about that on the collectors groups on facebook
I heard it's almost like a, it's an early version of, of a different version of Dark Mavis, and it was almost like a trip hop. Yeah, the trip hop version. I love that version. Yeah, we we we, we did that. As I say, early Manson was all with um, drum loops because we didn't have a drummer. Well, we did, but he died of a heroin overdose, and then we got hip in, and then it became a sort of a hybrid between drums and drum loops. And then after the pineapple incident, we, we became more, you know, a rock band on six. But um, yeah, there's um, the, 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 the trip hoppy version of Dark Mavis I like, but I didn't fully like it because I knew it was going to be the closer on the album. So we turned it into a proper band number, you know. And then still talking about six, the recording process. I heard somewhere that you recorded it essentially live and then chucked a load of stuff on. Yeah, all, the, all yeah, we set up in a circle and all everything was recorded live. I mean, there's a few bits of Wurlitzer piano and piano on there, but it's essentially all the pads you hear that you think are synths. The whole thing is guitars, and that was our thing. We, I mean, I don't, I was stupid really thinking like that back then days, but I thought we couldn't perform the first album because we didn't have all guitars on it. So we wanted to make a you know a guitar record. So it's predominantly a guitar record, but yeah, we 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 put all the back, we put all the tracks down, and then the the special effects, we would sit and noodle around with things and add things where we where we thought they sounded good, you know. So, um, you know, we got a lot of uh, special effects that we added on onto the top of the the band recordings. Is it right that when when you had that bass? You you said to or Pete, it was said that if you wrote a riff, you had to come up with a unique guitar sound as well to do the riff and the sound. Yeah, I, I think Chad hated me for that because I was always looking for guitar sounds, uh, and he had a signature sound where he would have his harmonizer pedal slightly out of tune, and you know, and you you can hear that in his in his guitar playing. But I think he he did he just wanted pure guitar tone he was into Jimi Hendrix you see so when I met Chad he played the guitar a bit like Graham Cox and a bit like Jimi Hendrix a bit like the Stooges he was really into uh, Sid Barrett and I was into just totally different stuff so I was always pushing him for new sounds but you know that that was one not one of the biggest elements but that was an element of animosity between us you know you know guitar tones and when we got to Kleptomania, we went back and, and made a much more of a rock record, you know, straight ahead rock sounds. Yeah. yeah. Is it right that originally you were going to call it Animal Farm? N- no, no. That, that, that's sorry, film- no, sorry, was it 1984? I've got the wrong Orwell book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought you were talking about a film you've been watching. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, no, the, the working title for Six was 1984, yeah, yeah. And how come it became Six? Well, I I wrote the song six where I, where I use six different types. Of, it, it starts off as like a sort of chuggy post, uh, you know, post punk type riff, and then it goes into Motown, then it goes into prog rock, and then it go and it went through six types of music.
and then we did a similar thing on the song Cancer. And then um, Chad was getting lyrics for his songs out of a book called Now We Are Six, which was a, some Winnie the Pooh thing. And Brian Jones lived in Cotchard Farm, which was the author of Winnie the Pooh. And the, 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 the number six kept coming up all the time. Uh, through the sessions, so that's how it became called Six. It's not a concept album, it's just a lot of stuff is about the number six. That's the running thread through it all, you see. Yeah, and I want to talk about the the single, or sorry, not the single, the song Fallout, and the line in there about Stanley Kubrick faking it on the moon. Yeah, well, I, I think he probably didn't fake it on the moon now, but wait, you know, when you're 25, you know, you believe anything, won't you? Yeah, so that's all it's about the moon landing, right? Well, yeah, I'd seen that film Capricorn One, you know, where they where they fake the the landing on Mars and that. So that's where I got that line from. So it's funny. It's just funny where you get your inspiration for lines. It's just stuff that you see, and it's just boom out. Well, I I mean, I always carry the Daler notebook round with me, so it could be anything from you can hear a bus going past with a beat on it, and you start singing a melody, or you um, hear something in a snippet of a conversation. I'll write it down as a lyric. But of course, now I have my iPhone. Uh, my iPhone is my dictaphone and my, my notepad now. Draper talking there about their epic album Six and they're going to play that live on tour and if you were listening in the background I was playing some tracks from Six obviously and can you imagine how difficult that is going to be to play live you guys need to get out there and see if they pull this off because I for one am going to be right up front and centre to see whether they do It was going. To, if they do it's going to be epic if they don't we can all laugh at them it's a win-win situation but this is the Britpop show and we also need to talk about some other artists as well uh, and who else is going on tour? It's not a, it's the Charlatans, along with Ride. They're doing a North American tour. So, so this is for all of our listeners in North America. They're doing New York City, Webster Hall on the 30th of January, 2023 already. Then 31st, Brooklyn. And then in February, they go Boston, Montreal, Toronto, Detroit, Chicago, Madison, Minneapolis, Denver, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco and Los Angeles ending on the 18th of February in Los Angeles. And if you any of you lovebirds are in Seattle on the 14th of February, you can take your loved ones to the charlatans and ride on that date. So let's have some charlatans and then Paul Draper talking a bit more about six.
Charlatans with How High. And we've had a message in from Dave saying, sadly, no Washington, D.C. show for Charlatans or The Ride. I know. Sorry about that. What can we do? I know what we can do. We can listen to Paul talking a bit more about Six. Was it difficult to pick the singles? Well, we, we'd we finished the album, more or less. Uh, we had two great singles. One was Been Here Before and When the Wind Blows. But because of the, the way I, I was such an awkward twat when i was younger i put them out as b-sides so we never had a single so they said to me you've got to write a single so we did legacy so we just threw that on at the last minute so we had a single you know i mean it was a hit it was number six or seven in the charts or something like that but we never meant to write a single um although the b-sides from the 60s era there was there was loads of potential singles there you know like so you got because i i can see it you know again back to this kleptomania collection you've got been here before on there and you've got when the wind blows yeah and a lot yeah, of people think, talk about that song yeah it's a good song that you know me and chad wrote that one together and um i you know if i could go back i would have got rid of tom baker off the album and put when the wind blows on it and put that out as the second single but you know six is what it is you know what i mean it's a it's a it's an experimental record you know it's bonkers um but you have to get if you give it time i mean do you like that record now yes that's why i bought it on vinyl first vinyl i bought and that's why i bought it on vinyl was because it's it's a vinyl record it's a record that you just stick it on yeah it's a proper record yeah you know it it took a lot of people a long time to get into i remember mike hunter my engineer saying at the time people love this album in the future yeah and i'm like well why won't they like why don't they like it today and he's and and now i understand totally why it it wasn't brit pop it was just so different than everything that was going on yeah now i think of it more like a sort of a glam prog punky amalgamation of everything we were into you know from bowie to the beatles you know it just is what it is i I don't know what it is but it's survived and i'm going out on tour in march and i'm going to play the whole thing in full and how it survived i don't know really i think the record company just listened to it and just thought you've gone mad you know i had had a big debate with my mate loz and he he was adamant that six is a better album than attack of the gray lantern and i was like no for me it's attack of the gray lantern but there's a lot of people who are big fans of six. Oh yeah 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 i, I, I mean uh, whenever i meet manson fans and i do you know you get stopped in the street and stuff like that that is always what i ask what albums you like attack of the gray lantern or six and it and it's 50 50. yeah yeah it's 50 50. from the 1990s
don't care no more, so don't you worry. Goodbye, I'm going home. I hate the way that even though you know you're wrong, you say you're right. I hate the books you read and all your friends, your music shine. It keeps me up all night, up all night. There's no need for you to say you're sorry. with children by Oasis. Right, let's hear a bit more from Paul about this famous tour that he's about to do of their second album, Six. Hibernation, I say hibernation in the term of you, you weren't in the public eye. And then you came back out and you did some 25 year anniversary tours for Attack of the Grey Lantern. What was different? Well, basically, our support act said, we've never seen as many middle-aged bald men crying in a room at one time in my life. You're not uh, watching the right porn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I w and I was surprised everyone could still mosh that they had any cartilage in them. And, uh, you know, kids coming up to you, getting you to sign things, and you're thinking, oh, I'm still cool here, until they go, oh, you and me dad's favourite band. Yeah. 
thing I never wanted to do was to just become a heritage act, you know what I mean? So whenever I, like when I did the Attack of the Grey Lantern tour, I did a full set of solo material before. And when I go out in March and I will play the whole of the six album for the first time, I'm going to do a full set of my solo stuff as well. So, you know, as long as I can keep amalgamating the um, the two sides of it, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to curate and keep the Manson legacy going, you know. But I, I wouldn't just do Manson stuff. And in a way, doing the Manson stuff with my solo stuff introduces people to my solo material because I'm. You know, I'm two solo albums in now, and, and um, so so that's really interesting as well. So yeah, I've found a good medium where I'm happy with how I'm doing it and what I'm doing. You know. Yeah, and so you're now going on tour. So you've done the Attack of Greyland. So you're now doing it with six. And let me just read out the dates. You've got Manchester on March the fifteenth, Leeds on March the sixteenth, Glasgow, King Tut's Wawa Hut, March seventeenth. Liverpool, March the 18th. That's going to be a big one for you, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was born in Liverpool, so my home city, you know, I think a couple of the dates or a few of them are sold out now, but I don't know what ones, but yeah. if you check online, you can see which ones you can still get tickets for. But, yeah, uh, and then you've got you've got Nottingham on the 22nd of March. You've got Guildford on the 23rd of March. I'll see you there. I'll be waving at you from the back. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Islington on the 24th of March and then you've got the Thecla in Bristol on the 25th of March which you, for people who don't know is a boat yeah it's a boat, it's a boat. yeah you're playing a boat with a, with a big uh, room in it and you fit I don't know five six hundred people on it but uh, yeah really looking forward to it I mean we've been, we've been working on it for quite a while now P-Dub's got some huge master keyboard to control all, all the uh, special effects and stuff but and and, and it, it is it's going to be a complex operation but we're you know if anyone came to see the attack of the gray lantern tour they would have known the attention to detail that we put into it yeah and and this this will be the same you know we'll get a lot of attention to the detail of this album well this i i mean i'm just turning up just to see, see if you pull it off because it if you manage to pull it off amazing we'll pull it off the only bit is the doctor who bit which worried us but we found a, we found a way to get around it I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it Without giving too much away, what can people expect? Are you going to play it start to finish? Are you going to play it in order? Are you going to play some greatest hits? Are you going to play some solo stuff? So we're doing two sets. Um, I'm going to start off doing a full solo set of all my solo material uh, from Spooky Action and Cult Leader Tactics. So I'll do a full solo set. And then we'll go off and have a 20 minute break. And then we're going to come back on and we're going to play the sixth album in full from start to finish. 
And there's a couple of little breaks in the album, like uh, sort of after cancer, you know. And so we'll t we'll just take the, the little breaks where they happen on the album. But more or less, we're, we're going to try and replicate it as accurately as humanly possible with the technology that we've got. I mean, we've invested, we've invested a lot of money in, in buying the keyboard, well, P-Dub has, so he can trigger all the Muttley samples and the, you know, the Hanna-Barbera samples and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll have a lot of detail in it like that. Yeah, and other than Witness to Murder, where you need Tom Baker, what's the hardest one to play live? Oh, it'll be Cancer, yeah. Okay. I've, I've been singing along with a few of the songs so I can still hit the high notes at the end of Being a Girl Part 2 so so yeah, it won't be a problem for me voice as long as I stay off the Marlboro Lights and uh, I, have a, do me, I have a routine of drinking herbal teas before the concerts, you know yeah, and, uh, and but, but yeah, we're, we'll get it we're, we're quite deep into the pre-production now so we, you know, we will get it yeah, because I anti everything love that song, but I would imagine it's difficult. Well, it's not as difficult as you think. There's two guitar parts. Ben will, ben will do the. I was talking to Ben this back the other day about getting the right uh, phaser for the effect, and I'll be doing the chords. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, the 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 difficult bit is going from everybody helps me make my own mister inverse Midas in into anti everything. Yeah, that's difficult because. PW playing keyboards and I'll be singing that song and we need to go seamlessly into the next song but we have a we have a we have our dark arts of making it happen I can't wait for it and for those of you who haven't yet got a ticket your dads will want a ticket to this gig go and buy it go and stick it inside preferably inside a vinyl version of six and watch your dad's face light up on Christmas day it's one for the tree right I'm going to see that next week we have Graham Swan England cricketer spinning the discs and then part two of this interview with Paul Draper of Manson will be on Boxing Day, by which point you will no doubt have already bought your tickets to see him next year before they sell out. Guys, get on it. This is Blur. I'll see you on the flip side.
Let me slip away 